96-7W. Classified top secret subject is... Hey, kids, comics! Comic books. An art form early alive. We can rebuild them. We have the technology. With digital downloads and bookstore penetration, which sounds a bit rude, we can make them better than they were before. Better. Stronger. Welcome to another Hey Kids Comics. I'm Andrew. Uh, He's Michael. What? What feedback! You're going to say, are we doing feedback, Dad? Are we doing feedback, Dad? Yes, we are. I'm glad you asked. Okay. See, this show is a professionally run, well-oiled yeah. machine. <laughs> totally. <coughs> Excuse my coughing. I've still got a lurgy. Um, our first email is from the, the majestic Luke Giaconetti. What did I just call Luke when I was prepping this? Luke Giaconetti. Luke, Luke Giaconetti, which is a cool name, Giaconetti. Yeah. Giaconetti is pretty good as well, but Giaconetti is very good as well. So maybe you should go buy a pseudonym like Joe Anthrax. If you call Giaconetti, you have to wear shades all the time, though. That would be true. Mm. Yes, yeah, like Jake Elwood. Even, even inside. No, it was so. Jake and Elwood Blues, isn't it? I don't think he's douchey enough to wear sunglasses inside. No, he's not. He doesn't. He's not a bono. No, he's a heavy metal fan. Mm. Heavy metal fans excuse such such trivial pretension. Oh yeah. Anyway, there you go. First one of the show. <laughs> Take a drink. Luke says, "Hey, the rebooted Leylands. Oh, would that I was younger, Dad, more her. That'll be me. <laughs> yeah, <by> you. <laughs> no, I'm older. <laughs> yes, yeah. It's Michael's birthday today. Happy birthday." As we record this, by the time you hear it, it won't be his birthday. Um, Luke continues with his email that I just callously interrupted. I've never read the Heroes Return Fantastic Four. You're not missing out. I've never read the Fantastic Four in any indication, really. But But Alan Davis is a fantastic artist and his work always looks great. Yes, it does. Did we mention that we met Alan Davis and Matt Farmer and that Matt Farmer was lovely? Yeah, I think we did. Okay. His turn on Excalibur remains one of my favourite artistic runs of all time. Yes, his run on Excalibur is good. And I'm lately... I used to have. I don't think I have anymore. And I'm lately digging his time on Adventures of the Outsiders. Uh, I have most of his Batman and the Outsiders run. I don't think I have any Adventures of the Outsiders. I think I bailed on that when it became a prestige-only format book. Okay, so I only have the first. Yeah, well, they were only available in comic shops, and it was quite hard to get to comic shops when yeah. I was that age. Now, Avengers was a fantastic title. Buziek and Perez were a great team, and the relaunch was my first real introduction to the team after starting reading the original book a few issues before it was canned, and then slogging through the awful Liffield run. So after the Heroes Return title was like oxygen to a drowning man, and Buziek gets all of the Avengers and very succinctly portrays them on the page. I also really like the cameo from the Hulk. Cameo? Cameo. 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 Yes. Cameo. Very nice. I applaud your singing. Thank you. That's very good. Um, But yeah, my argument wasn't with Busiek's handling of the characters. I thought he did an exceptionally good job of that. It was by the time we actually got to the plot, I was like, ugh. It falls flatter on its face than Phantom Menace. Oh, will you stop with that? I like the Phantom Menace. Difference of opinion? Why, why did you get fired from your last job? Difference of opinion. Phantom Menace. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, yes. <laughs> Simon Pegg. Yeah, so it was very good. Spaced. I've forgotten all about that. I've got a DVD as well, haven't I? Yeah. Um, anyway, we keep interrupting Luke's email. Sorry. Luke continues, I'm pretty sure only Avengers did a rough cut issue, by the way. Oh, well, that's good to know. We have it, though. We have the Avengers one. Yeah, we talked about it on the show. Oh, do we ask for a Yeah, I, I pondered whether anybody else did it, but it doesn't look like they did. Heroes Return Iron Man by Busiek without by Sean Chen was an absolutely amazing book. It actually won Wizards' ongoing series of the year, believe it or not. I heartily recommend that series to anyone who wants some good modern Iron Man comics. I've did, got the first year of that. Did Jim Lee do that? No. What did he do before He that? did the Heroes Reborn. What's this then? Iron Man with Wilt's Potatio. This is the Heroes Return stuff. And I've got the first year of it that I won on eBay for dirt cheap. Okay. But I haven't got around to reading it yet. Okay. So I, I will be reading that at some point. Uh, I loved the gatefold covers with the What Happened Last Issue info. Yeah, I like that. These were great ways to get caught up on a new book or a random issue since they not only covered what happened previously but also gave us a quick rundown on the characters involved. The Marvel Multiverse existed before Heroes Reborn and such. Ironically, it really got off the ground thanks to your favourite hero, Andrew, Captain Britain. Yes, the Alan Moore stuff. I'm surprised yeah. I didn't remember that. And Luke Garris goes on here. Alan Moore and Chris Claremont's run on Cap established that the normal Marvel Universe was Earth 616 yeah. and that there were countless others and each one had a British Isles defended by a Captain Britain. This is where such characters as Mad Jim Jaspers, the coolest MP ever, and Fury came from. This would carry on during Clermont and Alan Davis's time in Excalibur, plus Clermont's new Excalibur in Exiles. Yeah, I thank you for that, Luke. I, I can, I, yeah, I should have remembered that because I have Captain Britain Omnibus that my wife bought me because she's fantastic and really did enjoy that, even though Captain Britain is still a bit of a stiff. And I'm not having that old British people stiff stuff. That's no, bollocks. I quite like. And if you think that, you're wrong. The modern Captain Britain in some of those mighty older novels, you've got Gordon Brown. Is he? Yeah. Excellent. Does he get blown up? No, he just goes, oh, Captain Oh, the Paul Captain Cornell Britain. stuff. Yeah. yeah, some of that was quite good, wasn't it? Yeah. Paul, was it Captain Britain and MI5 or something? Something like that, that, wasn't it? The pocket universe of Heroes Reborn, Luke continues, was not really mentioned, but the larger multiverse still exists. The character Nocturne, for instance, is the daughter of Nightcrawler from Alternate Earth, whilst the villain Albion is a Captain Britain from Uh, a world where World War I engulfed the entire planet for decades. Andrew just used the term yummy mummy. Are you serious, bro? Over here, we normally use the term MILF. Yeah, but I thought that A, Yummy Mummy, is much more child-friendly, in case there are any kids listening to this dribble, and B, I prefer the term Yummy Mummy, to be honest with you. my school say MILF. Do they? Yeah. Yeah, but that's because it's got the, ooh, this is naughty because it has a swear word in it. I didn't know what it meant until you told me what it meant not long ago. I feel the need to actually tell you what this stuff means because school is full of disinformation and I'd rather you be able to go to school and say, actually, that's not how you do that. My dad told me that this is how you do that. Yes. Oh, I need to eat that banana. Oh, this bit's good. Luke says Orion's flying thing is called his Astro Harness. Oh, Excellent. Thank you very much. I quite like the name Astro Harness. Yeah. That's pretty damn good. I think a flying thing has got a ring to Oh, you'll like this bit. Right. Michael, consider your status as being right for the Hawkman thing revoked after saying you don't like George Perez. Also, I would recommend against making fun of ne- Megadeth, Evil Eye. Megadeth, they did the Duke Nukem stuff, didn't they? Did they? I think so, yeah. Oh, okay, fair enough. Although, you almost made up for it with the we put lava in a plastic bag. <laughs> I said that. Yes, yeah. you're very funny. See, the problem with this, Luke, is we don't remember what we said last week. 
Digging the reboots, boys. Keep them coming. Love the show, Steve. Luke. Thank you very much, Mr. Giaconetta. Giaconetta. You know what I mean. Our next email is from the illustrious Dave Walker, who says, Hey guys, just finished listening to Relaunch Week 2, Electric Boogaloo, and I just want to say that Andrew is wrong. What? What? I'm what, sorry. What? <laughs> I'm seeing the words Another birthday present. on the paper, <laughs> but they're not actually registering in my brain. Let's see if I can, I can comprehend this again. <laughs> Andrew is wrong. <laughs> Now, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm seeing them here. They're just, they're not three words that go together. Well, let me tell you something, Dad. Sometimes. Go on, sometimes. Yes, occasionally. I say sometimes. Sometimes. You, very occasionally. You could be wrong. Very, 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 very rarely. Very. Very rarely. But let's proceed with the assumption here that Dave is actually correct. Yeah. And I am <laughs> wrong. Can't say it. Would you like me to? I am incorrect. You're wrong. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I just think that saying Wolverine is not a team player after being part of the X-Men for the last 30 to 40 years is a bit weird. He's been able to be part of that team and work with them, I guess, effectively for that long, but as I've not gotten past Except the Clermont issues in my X-Men reading yet, I can neither confirm nor deny this. Now you speak. What about all the times it was a moody, stroppy... Percy was just like, ah, screw you, I'm going on my own for a bit. Well, I don't need Xavier. Well, my take on that is that Wolverine was a loner who found a family with the X-Men, was what I really meant by I don't see him as a team player. I don't think he sees the X-Men as a team. Okay. He sees them as his family. Witness his paternal yet antagonistic relationship with Charles Xavier and his antagonistic brother relationship with Cyclops. Yeah. He'd still lay down his life for him. And the flip side of that, his brotherly, loving relationship with Colossus and Storm and Jubilee and Kitty Pride. Even though he'd, he'd still... Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd still get laid with uh, Jean Grey. Yes, well, see, that's the Jean Grey's where the analogy kind of falls down. But that's my thinking on that, which is why I said what I said. The X-Men are his family, and therefore he'll put up with them. Whereas with the Avengers, I just don't get Wolverine being in the Avengers, to be honest with you. Anyway, Dave continues, Also, I've recently been looking through some new Teen Titans issues and found that I don't always like George Perez's art either. Although not for the same reasons. Uh, what's his reason? He doesn't say. Uh, so maybe he could get back in touch and I just, tell us why. His art built bonds in his time period. Same with um, Dan Jurgens. Whereas I think he's one of the finest comic book artists to ever grace the medium with a pencil. Well, if you look, each generation of comics has their own style of art. Yeah, but George Perez's style of art is pretty timeless. Um, not to me. His art... Does his art Dan, signify old school to you? He and Dan Jurgens, yeah, at least 90s and 80s. Right. That's okay. why it was quite a big shock when I saw they both did the new uh, Green Arrow. And it was very good. It was but we'll right. talk about that in another episode. Dave continues, By the way, it's odd that you ask who Jeremy London was less than five minutes after talking about Kevin Smith since he was T.S. in Mallrats, which he was. I'd completely forgotten yeah, that. Jeremy was. London was T.S. in Mallrats. Yeah. I still don't know why you'd want tickets to see him, though. I mean, what does he do? Does he, is he like a performing monkey for you? Does he, <laughs> does he sing and dance and eat peanuts and juggle? Juggle fire! 
I mean, I'd probably buy a ticket to see Jeremy London do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a good point, that, Dave. I'd completely forgotten he was in Mallrats. Anyway, thanks again for the podcast. You're very welcome. P.S. The first episode of the season four of Castle was pretty good for Nathan Fillion. The second episode of season four of Castle was exceptionally good. Given that it was about a superhero. Oh, yeah, I read that on Marvel. And it's actually quite a very good episode. Surprisingly mock-free. I was quite impressed with that. Anyway, that's all we've got for email this week. So if you want to drop us a line, the blurb is at the end of the episode. Next up on the reboot docket, and also a first for this show, in that we will be looking at the first in the DC New 52 line of boots, is the Justice League. Now, I must profess to being a Johnny-come-lately-to-the-Justice-League-of-America. Oh, I was aware of them when I was a kid, but truth be told, I was never much of a team player at school, preferring sports like swimming, running and squash to football. Proper football for our American listeners, where we actually use our foot to push the ball around, hence the name football. I've made that note later on. Have you? Yeah. Well, I'm funnier than you, and I did it first. Or rugby, again, for our American chums, American football, but without £40 worth of padding and the incessant timeouts. And for the most part, this extended to my comic buying habits. I preferred the lone heroes Spider Man, the Hulk, Daredevil, Batman, and Superman. The only team boots I read were the Fantastic Four, which I considered to be a family that happened to be a super team and so didn't count, and the Teen Titans. Also, I considered the Justice League to be, well, a boring book. As such, my reading on pre-crisis Justice League is quite limited. I read a few of the Jerry Conway, George Perez issues, because it was George Perez, and that was pretty much it. I want to say that that all changed in 1986 with the DC Crisis on Infinite Earths. I want to say that, but it wouldn't be true. I was excited by the Superman reboot, the revamping that was going on with Batman. I was even tempted to check out Wonder Woman, which, let's face it, when you're 14, is a girl's book. The Flash and others, but Justice League? It was boring then, and it was, I'd wager, boring now. Especially as it wasn't even going to have Superman in it. So I gave it a miss. Over time, I would continue to hear that this was a good book. A funny book. But my inbuilt prejudice against the Justice League kept me away. And then a funny thing happened. The Batman Superman cartoons by Bruce Timm and his pals turned into a Justice League cartoon. And I thought it would be boring. Just like the comics. I was wrong. Whoa, what? Yes. I know, twice in one show. That's shocking, isn't it? I, I expect that to be followed up by he's more machine now than man. This is the greatest twisted I've and ever had. evil. The Justice League cartoon is quite simply fantastic. And if I was wrong about that, maybe I was wrong about the comics. Now, at this point, I need to diverge in my storytelling as I went straight to the JLA relaunch in 1997. But as is our want, we want to go in chronological order. And so we look to last year. I'd wanted to read the post-crisis Justice League for a while, but these issues were expensive. Last year, for whatever reason, this started changing, and the books all started showing up at comic shows in the 50p and £1 bins. So I started snapping them up, and pretty soon I had a full run. With a decent wedge of comics under my belt, I started ploughing through the Bwahaha era of the Justice League. Bwahaha. Era. Thus called, because okay. as you get into the run, Blue Beetle and Booster Gold do lots of... <laughs> ink. <laughs> yeah, they do. Okay. That's very true. Issue 1, simply entitled Justice League, came out on February 5th, 1987 and boasts a May 87 cover date. 
The cover, which would become iconic and much imitated, features art by Kevin Maguire and Terry Austin, proving once again that no artist can look bad under Terry Austin's inks, and has a new league, a bunch of second stringers and Batman, all looking at the reader with stern faces, while the bottom figure asks, Wanna make something out of it? To be fair, the fact that this was a bunch of B-listers and Batman was probably why my 14-year-old self didn't pick this book up. The Justice up. C League. The Justice C League, yes. My more mature self knows that all these characters are and would be more likely to pick this book up now, but hey, who amongst us can't say they made dopey decisions when they were 14 years old? The cover boasts that this is a first issue return to greatness for the all new Justice League. It was a whopping 40p originally, or oh, 75 cents. The Canadians once again get screwed for a full dollar. <laughs> uh, uh, we, we get screwed for $2.99. No, we, we only pay £2 a comic. No. Which still isn't the exchange rate. It's $2.99 on the cover. Yeah, it's $2.99. We pay two shiny British pounds. Duh. Yes. We, we can't pay $2.99 for one exceptionally Still good reason. We don't have dollars in this country. Oh, I should have done a Crichton, though, shouldn't I? Yeah. That's an exceptionally good point, sir, that we can't follow for three good reasons. One, we don't have dollars in this country. Two, we don't have dollars in this country. And three, we don't have, we don't have dollars in this country, sir. That was my Crichton impression. Crichton from Red Dwarf, not Crichton from Farscape. Just putting that out there for people. The story is called Born Again, and the audience are going, please don't do any more impressions! It's worse than your singing! No, 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 it's not. And he's plotted, you're funny on your birthday, and he's plotted with art breakdowns by Keith Giffen and a script by Giffen with J.M. DeMathis, or J.M. DeMatheus, or J.M. DeMathis, however the hell you pronounce that name. Art is by Kevin Maguire and Terry Austin, whilst Bob LaPan, Gene D'Angelo and Andrew Helfler did the lettering, colouring and editing respectively. Our tale opens with Guy Gardner, the Green Lantern, declaring himself the leader of the new Justice Team. Sorry, League. It doesn't carry much weight because he's declaring it to himself in an empty room. If he's talking to himself, I'd seek help, to be so honest with you. He's talking to me. He's talking to me. you got to be talking to me. Actually, to be fair, they're thought bubbles. So he's not actually yeah. speaking to himself. He's not pulling a Peter Parker. <laughs> Only Mary Jane does that. Oh! <laughs> Black Canary beams up, which is strange, but because... But... Which is strange, because they don't seem to be in the JL satellite in orbit around the moon, but whatever. She banters a little with Gardner, then Mr. Miracle and Oberon arrive, and Gardner, who we're quickly realising is the team's resident bonehead, insults Oberon because he's a pretty small dude. Captain Marvel shows up, unsurprisingly Gardner makes fun of him as well, as does the Martian Manhunter and the Blue Beetle. Meanwhile, in Washington, D.C., Maxwell Lord IV, who seems to be a high muckety-muck in a company called Innovative Concepts, watches coverage of the new Justice League on a bank of TVs with keen interest. For some reason, he crosses out the word America from the sheet in front of him, leaving just the words Justice League. Back at the Justice League HQ, Guy Gardner and Black Canary are still arguing, so Martian Manhunter tries to bring everyone to order. This works about as well as can be expected, until the Batman shows up and totally owns Gardner's ass and convenes a meeting. Pond. Batman convenes a meeting. Really? I'm Batman. I'm Batman. <laughs> I'm Batman. And I call this meeting to order. Listen to me! Listen to me! 
over in New York City, the new Dr. Light, who is female, in her regular guise of Dr. Kimiyo Hoshi, ignores the beeping Justice League communicator given to her by a shadowy figure, TM, copyright, all rights reserved, instead preferring to try and get funding for her project to help feed the hungry. Of course, terrorists have taken over the assembly, as terrorists are wont to do, but Dr. Light managed to hit the signal button on her communicator, 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 which duly transmits an emergency warning to the Justice League. They take off in different teams, Gardner reluctantly following Batman's orders, and head to the assembly in Blue Beetle's bug. That's true, they do. One of the terrorists has a bomb strapped to his chest that will detonate if his heart stops. The Batman orders the Green Lantern to seal off the building, Gardner moans again, but does it, and the Justice League take the terrorists down quite handily. The Batman, however, feels that the terrorists are so badly trained it's pathetic, and there has to be more to this. He has no time to ruminate on his decision, however, as the Martian Manhunter, in his invisible form, informs Dr. Light of the situation. Green Lantern speeds into action and the Batman swoops onto the podium. Dr. Light creates a flash grenade, all part of the plan, allowing Batman and Green Lantern the chance to take the remaining terrorists down. Batman orders an evacuation, leaving the leader, John Charles Collins, impotent with rage and alone to set off his bomb. He kills himself, but the bomb fails to detonate. In his office, Maxwell Lord wonders how that could have happened. Maybe you should have given him the firing pin. Oh. Um, I've just talked an awful lot, though, because that was quite a, an exceptionally long synopsis, because this was quite a dense, readable book. What did you think about this one, Michael? I think Black Canary's costume in this is quite crap. Are you not digging Black Canary's 80s costume replete with headband, and it looks like she's got bequiffed her, though? Lots of product going on in that her. Yeah. No, it's a bit crap. Do you know you're you're a fishnets kind of guy, though, aren't you? Yeah. You prefer your fishnets on your Zatanna as well, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that one of the problems with the animated show? Was it fishnets? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. That was you. You should watch that episode of Smallville with Zatanna in. Okay. Because the so girl. I just can't bring myself to, to watch, watch Smallville. That's <laughs> for a comment, really. Um, who's Oberon? And am I the only one who read him in an Irish accent? Think about the box office reads. <laughs> Oberon is, if you didn't get from the story, Mr. Miracle's agent. Yeah, I know, but is that, is, is that it? Just because he's little, you're reinforcing a stereotype, are you? No, no. He says he looks Irish. He doesn't. How can you look Irish? <laughs> he looks like a leprechaun. Oh, man. You kind of see him on the box of Lucky Charms next to, oh, like, next to Mr. Miracle. Do you? <laughs> Bye, our Mr. Miracle Lucky Charms. <laughs> Booster Gold built for that. Take them, take them with some Guinness. God in heaven! Carry on, please. Um, I think John on page five looks great. Um, John Johns. The shading on his face is really damn good. Yeah, the scene where he's he's looking over what happened to the old league. Yeah, he's very moody. What did happen to the old league? I think they all got killed. Okay. I presume so. Anyway. Uh, page six, panel one. Oh no, Gypsy's still around. Yeah. So how do we know we really are in Washington? Well, there's the Clinton tribute, I mean, Washington Memorial in the background. Why is that the Clinton tribute? Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> Do you get it? Yes, I get it. Yes, a mighty erection it is. <laughs> is Maxwell Lord a good guy or a bad guy now? He's watching Star Trek anyway. <laughs> I noticed that he was watching Star Trek as well. Obviously, but he's a good guy. Is he a good guy? Yeah. But, but he didn't give the guy the, the thing. He, he ends he, up running the team and being a good being guy. A complete and then ends bag. up shooting Blue Beetle through the head. Yeah. So. Damn that Judd Winnick. Did Judd Winnick write that? Yeah. Did he? Yeah. 
Oh, I thought Jeff Johns wrote that. No, Judd Winnick did come down to Infinite Crisis. You sure? Mm. Okay, fair enough. I will bow before your superior wisdom. It's very superior. It's At least yeah. I'm not being wrong twice as Shut time, up! So. Um, page 7, panel 9. Mm-hmm. He scribbled out America. Now, now, did did this issue have lots of angry fans complaining about this, or, or, or like they did with Superman 900? Oh, well, I don't think they ever renounced the US citizenship. It's just they went the Justice League of America. No. Well, as it turns out, Maxwell Lord posits that they always looked after the Earth anyway. Yeah. So just naming themselves the Justice League of America could actually damage the worldwide profile. And this was the kind of gentler 80s. Uh, so that was the theory behind it in this incarnation. When would they actually go back to being called the Justice League of America in the comics? I, I mean, the Grant Morrison one just abbreviated it to JLA. Yeah. Would we have to wait all the way till uh, the new relaunch by, um, what was his name? Brad Meltzer. Before it would go back to being Justice League of America. I don't know. Uh, I don't I think that was, that was their argument anyway. They were trying to be a kind of gentler league. Hmm. and say that they supported the world. Page 8. So you were right about this uh, being a soap opera Justice League. Yes, it's very much a soap opera Justice League. It's also yeah. very much a sitcom Justice League. Oh, oh no, the little Irish guy's been pushed aside. Oh, a giant brush. saying he's the little Irish guy. <laughs> it's probably guy. not a giant brush, it's a normal <laughs> size one. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, dear me. Page 11 had to be the best page in the book. Where Batman just stirs Gardner down. Just sit down. Yeah, well, I would imagine he says it more like, Sit down. Swear to me. <laughs> Swear to me. <laughs> or I'll get my back credit card out. <laughs> uh. <laughs> page 12, panel 2. Mm-hmm. See, uh, well, when he says to Black Canary that someone has to stay behind and look at all the TVs and do all that stuff. See, what he really means by that is <laughs> women can't go out and fight so they have to stay oh, behind and hoover up and make sandwiches for the rest of the team. How many people are you going to piss off tonight? <laughs> Carry on! Is this the Doctor Light that was created during Crisis? I think so, yes. Right, okay then. Um, I quite like the relationship between Batman and Guy in this. What one I of think mutual it's loathing. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> Also, at page 19, panel 1, it's like, Daw, is Batman turning into a whiny teenager? Why? What does Why he does say? everyone insist on questioning my orders? <laughs> it's not fair. No. Why does everyone insist on questioning my orders? It's not fair. Swear to me! Swear to me! <laughs> that really does hurt my throat. <laughs> yeah. um, page 21, panel 4. It was a boring conversation anyway. <laughs> Did you get that? Yes, very good Han Solo reference, yes. Uh, page 24, panel 6. Yes, Dad. <laughs> Where Guy says, now get out of my way so I can rip this moron's lungs out, I'm gonna... And Batman says, do as you're told. And if you're nice... Swear to me! <laughs> <laughs> um... And after reading this issue, it's quite hard to believe that the same guy who wrote this also wrote Battle Royale. Well... Well, did the English translation of it anyway. Um, Keith Giffen didn't do the dialogue, did he? No. Doesn't James DeMatteis... DeMathis... DeMathis... I know, but it's like such a light-hearted book. Yeah, well, 
writers are capable of writing a lot more than they're allowed to write, you know. As Neil Gaiman says, writers should be allowed to write whatever the hell they like. Yeah. They shouldn't be pigeonholed into, you are a comedy writer. No, it's just like, you got light-hearted sitcom Justice League, and then there's... Then there's, then there's battle Children royale. shooting yeah. each other. Well, you know. Whatever. Uh, page one is my notes. Uh, perhaps not the most dramatic way to begin a new superhero comic. Guy Gardner sitting in an empty room with his feet up. Well, you know, it's a very it works. casual way to yeah, start off. It is off. a very casual way to start off this book. Page two, the Justice League has a transporter beam. How cool is that? Also, yeah. why is Black Canary wearing an 80s jumpsuit with large shoulder pads? It was the 80s. Yeah, but fishnets are timeless. And not dated. It was the And they show off her thighs. Yeah. Just saying. Uh, page four. It's not a new thing that superheroes are mistrusted. Obviously, it goes back as far as Stan Lee's run on Spider-Man. But here, the Martian Manhunter says that they are sideshow freaks and novelties for the masses. This is given credence on page seven, where a newspaper reporter states there is a grudging tolerance of superheroes. Everything old is new again. Hmm based on the new 52. Page 5 has a handy little acknowledgement of the previous story arc did happen in some shape or form, but it's handled very well. As you pointed out, it's a very moodily drawn scene with the Martian Manhunter purging the old Justice League images from the computer. Um, if you haven't read the previous issues, which I haven't, all I need to know is bad stuff went down, for which the Martian Manhunter feels at least partially responsible for. Shizzle got real. Yeah, basically. If you did read those issues, it's a nice callback. Uh, page six, as you've already mentioned, one of Max's TV sheet screens is showing Star Trek. One of them's also showing a Wiley Coyote cartoon. Did you notice uh, that? Maybe he's just watching Green Lantern. Um, no, no, um, Animal, Animal Man, Man the TV show. Animal Man digital comic. Yeah, possibly. That's very true. Page eight, Guy Gardner, sexist pig, rude bonehead, and all-around obnoxious See You Next Tuesday. Naturally became the most popular character in the book. Yeah. <laughs> he's quite a decent bloke now, to be honest. Yeah, he's, he's, he's toned him down a lot now, hasn't mm. he? Green Lantern Hal Jordan's a bigger jerk now than Guy Gardner, isn't he? Yeah. To be honest. Page nine. Tell me you don't drink warm milk before you go to bed at night. <laughs> What's that got to do it's with it? what Guy Gardner says to Captain Marvel. Yeah, his reply is genius. <laughs> well, I, I don't see how that's relevant. <laughs> No, no, let's not bring that into it. <laughs> let's, let's not talk about my warm milk drinking. Uh, page 10. Yes, you're right, page 11 is dead cool. But do you not think the Batman seems really out of place in this book? Yeah. He's like an afterthought, isn't he? Like the editors thought the book needed a big star or it wasn't going to sell. He's also a real chatty Cathy in this book. <laughs> the Batman talks more in panel one of page 12 than he does in an entire issue nowadays. Yeah. Maybe that's just because there's more to read in these comics well, than you do nowadays. Well, there is that as well. And also, the Batman holding a staff meeting? <laughs> now, really? Now, who, who left the salad in the fridge? Are you certain was it to buy the milk? <laughs> it's gone sour. Was it to buy the milk? Swear to me! <laughs> Swear to me! <laughs> Page 14 of my copy of this book, I don't know if other people's is the same, has a little production note on it next to the bottom of the final panel on the page that says, Collie on zip, please. No, I have no idea either. I've not not Um, got a clue what that means. Uh, It's page 18 of this book. 
before the action kicks in. Fortunately, it's a 25-page story. Page 20 is one of my favourites in the entire book. The first panel on that page, the bad guy, you caught me monologuing! And he does. Do you think at interviews, when, when bad guys want to become supervillains and such, the, the interview says, no, let me hear your monologue. <laughs> You're in! <laughs> Evil laugh. <laughs> yeah, let's hear your evil laugh next. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, page 21. Um, I love that the Martian Manhunters, you see him beating somebody up, but in the background there's two bad guys stuck into the roof by their heads. That's brilliant. And I love that you didn't see him do it. Yeah. You just see them in the background. I do like the Martian Manhunter in this book. It's really good. Uh, page 22, panel 7, is the best panel in the book. Uh, the Batman, silhouetted from behind, is all dark, shadow and elongated cape, spooking the bad guys good and proper. I like that. Especially impressive given that they're in a well-lit... Mm. I love it. So he must have waited for the precise <laughs> moment to be able to do that so he was silhouetted uh, against uh, the lights. He's got himself who's coming to the present from back in time. No, to, it's Dr. Light's flash grenade. To fix the lights for him, so he... So that it, he looks... Trust me on this, Bruce you look really up. cool yeah. when you do this. <laughs> Swear to me. You know you, no, you will. Very good. Uh, page 25. I do like the media think that Batman is capable of murdering Collins, which uh, it adds to his mystique. I'm not sanguine, however, about a Batman that appears on TV news cameras, even if it is only to say, get that camera out of my face. You just go, all oh, right, please show off and <coughs> pull up into a building. Yeah, or he'd go out the back door, wouldn't yeah. he? You, you, you wouldn't get Batman appearing on TV news nowadays. Well, you would. He'd just be running across the street. Being yeah, there'd be a at. flash of him and... Or stuff. you get a repeat of Batman Begins where he trashes up an entire motorway in a tank. Yes. Did that make the news in Batman Begins? Yeah. Did it? It, it was like... Is there a six-foot bat in Gotham City? And what's he pulling down after taxes? That's the Tim Burton Batman. It, it was like cops, where, where you get the helicopter view of the cars. <laughs> bat cops. And now Batman thinks he can get away. Oh, he's getting out of the Batmobile and he's running on foot. <laughs> Uh, overall, the pacing and panel grids in this issue are excellent. Giffen paces the action perfectly, sometimes using traditional nine-panel grid arrangements, sometimes using untraditional nine-panel grid arrangements, other times using the Frank Miller technique of having TV screens narrate the action. The pacing of the panels is particularly good throughout the book. Batman, despite his verbosity, is pretty kick-ass in this book, although there is something very odd about seeing a Batman operate in the daytime, be part of a team, and appear on the TV news. As you may have guessed, my Batman isn't the shiny, happy Adam West version. It's not the one I grew up with. However, the art is magnificent, and the story's pretty entertaining with some funny lines and situations. Guy Gardner's a tool, but I suspect he's supposed to be, and he wouldn't improve any either as the, ship, as the strip went along. The most likeable character in the book is the Martian Manhunter, and he would go on to have a very pivotal role in the series as it progressed. As to if the book was a successful reboot, well, I don't know why DC decided to restart the book with B-listers instead of a more well-known character. And my understanding is that the history of the JLA took a severe battering from the crisis. But this is a good read and would become increasingly absurd as the story progressed, but it was always a fun book. 
And anything that's fun gets a big thumbs up from me. Was it necessary and does it succeed? Well, DC relaunched all the main characters after Crisis on Infinite Earth, so it was necessary. And Goramit, it did succeed in taking A, a concept I could care less about, and B, a bunch of B-listers, and make it work. What did you think of it, Michael, given that you presume you'd never read it before? No, I was pleasantly surprised by it. Were you? See, I wasn't expecting much from it, and I did quite like it. Excellent. Especially so the point where you uh, would read more? Maybe. Mm. I've got birthday presents to read. That's very true. I did buy you lots of birthday presents. Uh, there's some good adverts for the Suicide Squad. Um, a book I've got pretty much every issue of, apart from about four, but have never read. But I've heard good things about it, so at one point I will eventually read that. Uh, and there's a good advert for the newly relaunched Wally West Flash series, which I've read the first 20-odd issues of, even though I've managed to cull together nearly the first 200-something, haven't I? 225 mm. issues of that, all from the 50p bins. I'm missing the next issue that I'm about to read, which is why I've stopped. I think I've not got issue 21, I think. I'd have to look that up. Okay. So that's why I stopped that. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. I sense a disturbance in the Force. You always sense a disturbance in the Force. I don't like this. Really pissed me off. Oh no! It's a trap! Chewie, get us out of here! You can't run. Star Wars Monthly Mondays, available the first Monday of every month at twotruefreaks.libsen.com. And we're back. Excellent. Well done. I approve wholeheartedly your and we're back. So let me take a swig of my tasty beverage. And we're back. Ah, Pepsi Max. Not quite as good as Cherry Coca-Cola. Nah, Pepsi Max is better. Not quite as good as Cherry Pepsi. Oh. Which is quite nice. Oh. Anyway, second on the docket is one of those rare Michael choices. Woo. JLA number one was released on November 6th, 1996, with a January 97 cover date. However, we're reading this from the deluxe edition hardcover. I'm not entirely clear on why the Justice League needed to kick up the arse uh, a little Jails. under a decade after the last one, and to be fair, this is more a relaunch than a reboot. Perhaps sales were down. I do know that the big seven, Superman, the Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, the Flash, Water Guy and Martian Manhunter, hadn't been leaguers together for a while and it was decided to bring them back with a bang. Grant Morrison was tapped as the writer with Howard Porter as the artist. Issue 1 kicked off a four-part opening story released in trade paperback under the umbrella title New World Order. The cover by Porter and Inca John Dell is a typical poster cover of the Seven Leaguers standing around looking cool, if not a little goofy. Potter's art, Potter? Potter. Porter's art makes the Flash, Superman, and Wonder Woman look like they've got double chins. See, I noticed that too. Yes, and now you can't not notice it, can you? Especially Superman. Lay off the burgers, Tubby. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Interestingly, Wonder Woman has a hand on Batman's shoulder. 
Yeah, I didn't notice that. Either. Have you not? Right? I've always liked the idea of a Batman Wonder Woman romance. More so than Batman and Superman. The Batman! <laughs> Freud and Slip! Don't, don't say that. If my friends are listening Much to this... Much more than Batman and Superman. I don't like that idea at all. Arguments have been having with um, one of my friends about DC superhero slash fiction. Oh, but what about, what about Batman and the Flash? No, if you're going to have the Flash, at least let it be with Green Lantern. Don't stop it! You don't want to give Chris any more ammo. No, we don't want to give Chris any more ammo at all. So, much more than Batman and Superman. (laughs) I've done it again. Much more than Wonder Woman and Superman. (laughs) Oh, dear. Despite what I just said, it's been well established that Bruce actually has a thing for strong women. Not strong men. Uh, Selena Kyle, Talia Al Ghul, Nocturne, Silver St. Cloud. So this seems to be a logical oh, extension of that. And after this new Catwoman, he says he does have a thing for strong women. Issue one was called Them. Synopsis, Mr. Michael. Okay. In DC, Washington that is, the president is throwing a skits at some bloke called El Presidente and that Firehawk for not showing up to escort him. However, at that moment, a huge alien spacecraft hovers over the White House he calls for the justice. Turns out that the ship somehow got past the watchtower scanners. Superman shows up on the scene and is shown eight egg-like objects that sit around the ship. People come out of the objects and the leader of the group of aliens says his name is Protex and he's the leader of the Hyperclan and they have come to save the world. Here they come to save the day! Here we are to save your world we are the Hyperclan <laughs> Princes of the universe, then. No, the hyperclad. Okay, fair enough. Soon, they begin to change things. They bring rain to the Sahara Desert and have started executing criminals, causing a 60% drop in crime, much to the distaste of the current superheroes. Whilst watching the Plot Exposition News Network, the Watchtower <laughs> Watch is attacked by unknowns. Metamorpho decides to blame it on the Hyperclan, and after knocking on the power and breaching the hull of the Watchtower, Green Lantern and Wonder Woman decide to take the fight to them. The rest of the heroes on the tower are stranded once they realise that because there's no power, the escape pods aren't working. So Metamorpho decides to cover them and use himself as an escape pod. I know what you mean. I can't read my notes. You can't read your own writing, apparently. No. However, <coughs> once they reach the atmosphere, he begins to burn up. In the, at- in the Antarctic, Protex's monologue reveals that the Hyperclan have been to Earth before, when the human race was once beginning, and they create a, and they create a structure calling it Zonzo. Zonzo! <laughs> a name very similar to John Jones. John Jones! <laughs> Metamorpho lands, but he's the only one who doesn't survive the crash. Superman briefs the Flash about Metamorpho on the way to the rest of the Justice League before telling them that all that protest denied the Hyperclan having anything to do with the attack and how he's lying. Batman jumps out and goes, BOO! And says (laughs) the Hyperclan are performing a a planned invasion and this is war. Okay, fair enough. Not Sparta. Um, it's quite hard to look at this book as one issue as I liked it so much when I was reading it for this I read all four parts in one go 
Mm. I, and I ended up reading this whole volume. Which I the, yes, I will read the others because I really did enjoy this. Just concentrating on uh, the first issue for now. I like page two, where a large UFO appears over the White House, and the president's first order is to call the Justice League. Yeah. That makes sense, you know. Uh, as with most presidents in comics, we don't get a good look at his face. But in November 1960, the president would have been Bill Clinton. The guy in this comic has reddish brown hair rather than Clinton's silver fox look, though. No, you see, according to the DC Wicker. Yeah. It is Clinton. But it doesn't look like Clinton. I mean, I know you don't see his face properly, but his hair colour's wrong. Maybe he decided to dye it. Get Possibly. Maybe in 1996 he had a hair colour. I don't yeah. know. Page three. I was a bit confused here. I know who Metamorpho is, but who are the others? And is this the only clearing out the HQ? And is that an art mistake in panel one because it looks like a UFO? Was the League HQ a UFO at this point? I thought oh, it was no. a satellite. We do learn from Superman later that the names are Nuclon, Ice Maiden, and Obsidian on page 20. Is Ice Maiden Ice from Bwahaha era? I don't know. Do you not? Oh, and um, later on in the series to get a big tower on the moon. Yeah, I remember that. I remember them being based on the moon. Page 3, page 5, sorry, were quickly introduced to the Hyper Clan and instantly we don't like them. Now, I don't know what Morrison's intent was here. Were we supposed to like them and then distrust them or distrust them from the outset? I distrust them from the beginning. Well, I suspect that because to a man, they all look like Image Comics rejects. Don't they? Just look at that Protex. I mean, look at Protex. He's a bit of a douche. Yeah, and the guy crouching down at the front, was that Zoom? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's Zoom. Yeah. Page, fly, Page six, bottom two panels. I love the Flash collecting yeah. Linda's dry cleaning in the space of a panel. That's a really cool use of his powers. Page seven, we already met Superman, and we get to meet the other leaguers out of costume, but at least we get an introduction to them all, unlike in the next book. <laughs> I do like the name of Hyper Clan. Especially Zoom, Z-U-M. So named because he's the fast one. Uh, there could also be some mythological reference that I don't recall. These things normally have their roots in mythology somewhere. Especially with Morrison. Especially when it's Grant Morrison, yes. Good job. Page 10, the Hyperclan have already killed Wolverine. Mm. And are about to kill Doctor Doom. Yep. Why are they killing Wolverine if they're only executing super criminals? I don't know. I don't get that. They also got credited in the DC wiki. Did they? Doctor Doom Wolverine, yeah. Uh. Uh, page 12, I don't know what Green Lantern, Kyle Rayner at this point in DC continuity, is doing in panel 5, but it looks really quite painful. Just a tad um, Also, was Kyle new at being a Green Lantern here? Was he? Because he seems pretty uncertain of himself throughout this entire issue. He was enough that nobody knew what he was capable of. Right. Because it does offer some nice character beats throughout the story. Yeah. I'm just wondering, Green Lantern chronology-wise... Did Kyle Rayner take over after Hal Jordan was Parallax? Although I don't believe Hal Jordan ever mentioned that he was Parallax. <laughs> uh, par- uh, Parallax killed pretty much all of the anti-Green um, Lanterns. So, but when, not Guy Gardner, I presume. No, but they all didn't do whatever because at the time Kyle Rayner was Green Lantern, he was the only one. Right. No, so there's no John Stewart. Mm. Well, he, no. there's John Stewart and Kyle uh, the Guy Gardner, but I don't think they're Green Lanterns. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, the attack on the Justice League satellite on page 12 through 17 is pretty damn good. Wonder Woman kicks major ass, but the layout of the satellite, although we don't get a decent beauty shot of it, doesn't match the one we saw on page 3. 
No. Which is, I'm wondering, was that a mistake on page three? Maybe. Uh, how Metamorpho saves the others is a pretty clever use of his powers. Mm. I like that a great deal, that he has to know science. And the Flash does as well. Yeah. In a, is it a later story in this volume, the Flash studies a lot of science to make his powers work properly, mm. which I thought was quite clever. Nice little touches. Page 20, the Flash asks Superman, is this a race? And on page 21, Batman has invented a device to stop Superman hearing his heartbeat. He's got a gadget He's for got him. a gadget for every time I use my utility belt. Swear to me! Uh, it's got a really cool cliffhanger ending. What did you think of this one, Michael? Right, well, I do quite like Howard Porter's art. Now, sure... <laughs> It can be really, really god-awful at times. But over the series, he quite grew on me. And he is also an artist who has grown over time. Really? See, because I'm not overly impressed with it, to be honest with you. I mean, I did try reading this in the 90s. I think I had the first 12 issues of this, and I sold them for decent wedge. Um, But one of the things that put me off was the art. Yeah. It's... hmm. Hmm, go on. It, it's decent, that, sometimes. I mean, your little character bits where they're just talking around and standing there are all that good. But when it's your big, your big splashes, widescreen, explosion, spaceship hmm. stuff, it's quite decent. Would have been better with George Perez. I'll give it. Okay. And hey, Luke, it's Independence Day. Oh, Independence Day, the film! Yeah. Sorry, yes. At least they're not blowing up the White House. No. Of saving the dog from the fire. Yeah, that's true. Page seven, panel three. Yeah, well, the Green Lantern sat watching TV. Martian Manhunter. Martian Manhunter, yeah. Watching he's, TV. His leg looks god-awful. Why? Because. Now, as you all know... Yes, thigh, thigh, yeah. They're a bit chunky. Chunky and muscular. His is just like his a is just a big skinny pencil. It's a flat Yeah, yeah that's fair enough. Also, um, page 32, panel two. Yes. The Flash. Is faster than Superman. Yes, he is. Because he, he outbreaks. There's no point calling him the fastest man alive if Superman's faster than him, is there? Page 32, panel 1. Yes. Uh, I, I, I knew he had a gadget. Oh, he's always got a gadget. Go, go, gadget. Um, I suppose we should at this point give further context to the story. Over the next three issues, it will turn out that the Hyper Clan are a Martian invasion force, and the Batman, of course, yes, figures this out. Well, no. This is, they're essentially taken down by Batman because the Hyper Clan, and especially their leader Protex, underestimate him because he's just a man with a man's courage. Nothing but a man's who can never change. Do <laughs> that as well. In this particular story, this works exceptionally well, but Morrison's love of Batman and his portrayal of him as a godlike, infallible being would grate on my nerves after a while. See, in this, he does seem more in place than in the other Justice League, because in the other Justice League, he's mm. out calling me to be in this. Yeah, well, he spends most of his time sat in a computer room. And most of the one, I mean, I've only read this first volume, but in most of the situations, if it's a, a science fiction-y story, he keeps Batman out of the way, yeah. for the most part, which works. Because Denny O'Neill didn't want Batman to be part of the Justice League anyway, yeah. but I think wasn't part of the deal for this that it's the big seven back again. Mm. So Even though later on they introduce lots and lots and lots and lots of characters. Yeah, but all f- to start off with, the, big, the big publicity for this was it's the big seven. Yeah. Back being the Justice League, and you can't do that without having Batman in it. But I know Denny O'Neill wasn't particularly happy about this. Um, overall, I have to confess... This was a fine first issue, setting up a number of plot threads for the next few issues that still works 
as a standalone tale, although having read the first part, I would imagine you would need to find out what happens next, mm. which, you know, is the mark of a good story. There's no gimmicks, just a fine central plot that makes you need and want to read more. It's definitely a Grant Morrison story, wow. but this is a Grant Morrison in big, expansive superhero mode, not long-winded, unintelligible gibberish mode, and this opener and the subsequent three parts would make an excellent... Justice League movie, should they ever get one off the ground. The final resolution to the story, obviously League just can't kill them, so the Martian Manhunter wipes their minds and makes them think they're human, is the kind of thing I expect to come back to haunt them later on. Which probably will. Will it? See, I've not read the rest of this. Well, Have you read all of these? No, I've got the last half back to read. Yeah, because you only got that yeah. today for your birthday. But, I mean, there's lots of <coughs> hints in it which I presume are all setting up for the big World War Three at the end. That they will come but back. But also in stuff like his Batman which lasted for like six years mm. there's like little hints and stuff all the way through right okay so everything comes back to bite you on the ass fair enough um, where I think this falls down is the artwork I'm really not a fan of Howard Porter I think his figures pose far too much and pose in ridiculous ways I really don't know how the Flash can run on page 20 with his leg higher than his head and likewise how he's crouched on page 23 is equally silly I've already mentioned Green Lantern's posture on page 12 but how Batman moves at the top two panels of page 23 is incredibly forced to be fair, Porter can do naturalistic poses, exhibit A, my lord, page 7, where we see the team out of costumes, and Batman's first appearance on the bottom of page 22 is pretty damn cool. As to whether this relaunch was a success, well, the reintroduction of the Big Seven paid off sales-wise. This book was regularly selling over 100,000 copies throughout the latter half of the 90s. I did like that all four parts had titles from 50s monster movies yeah them being the first one the day of the earth stood still being part two war of the worlds being part three and invaders from mars being part four which is exceptionally good uh we'll have another little break i think and we'll be right back hey everybody my name is michael bailey and this is the trailer with a truly epic ending to my new show about batman appropriately titled Bailey's Batman Podcast. Bailey's Batman Podcast is a weekly program that looks at a month in the life of the Dark Knight Detective, starting with the books bearing a March 1983 cover date, which is where my solid run of the characters' comics begins, and moving forward until, well, at least until the books that came out in 2005, because that's where the solid run ends. Each week, I will give you a full synopsis and review of every major ongoing Batman title, with brief stops along the way to look at the important specials, miniseries, one-shots, and Elseworlds stories, just to keep things interesting. I'll also be telling you what other books Batman appeared in that month, as well as what was going on elsewhere in the DCU. It is going to be all Batman, all the time, as I look at over 20 years of the character's history. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the epic ending to this trailer. You ready? The first appearance of Jason Todd. Death in the Family. Nightfall. Epic. No Man's Land. Do you have chills yet? All of that and more will be covered on Bailey's Batman Podcast. Every Tuesday at baileysbatmanpodcast.com 
And we're back. Thank you very much, young Adam. There you go, you wanted to be on the show. Even though I'm not actually going to say anything no. that contributes to the show. This is you not saying anything. Should have read Justice League oh, yeah, like I told yes. you. Okay. Finally, we have the first book in the new 52. DC's highly anticipated and much decried relaunch reboot whatever of their entire universe yeah in many cases they elected to kick off the reboot with the Justice League oh no it's not called of America again here Mm. right DC seems to really have a problem with that at the minute don't they (laughs) Uh, with the superstar creative team of Jeff Johns and Jim Lee well superstar in terms of sales for me Johns is probably the most overrated writer in comics today so who would you choose to write it then I don't know, because I suppose if you want big sales, you're going to put Jeff Johns on it. Mm. But I think he's more overrated than Morrison, Grant Morrison. Morrison's work is famed for its impenetrability and offbeat weirdness. And you know if you read a Grant Morrison book, that's what you're going to get. So I cut Morrison a lot more slack than Johns for that reason. With Jeff Johns, I've had years of people banging on about how much he cares for the characters and the continuity. Yet I don't <laughs> actually see that yeah, in he the just work. Wipes his ass all yeah, over. Yeah, he urinated all over Superman continuity, replacing it with the look of a 1978 movie simply because he's friends with Richard Donner. He brought back Barry Allen and Hal Jordan at the expense of Wally West and Kyle Rayner, and in both cases, made them more violent and darker just for the sake of it. Well, no. let's face it, he's Green Lantern is <coughs> a damn good run. It is. But could you not have told could he not have told just as good stories with Hal with Kyle Rayner? Well, do you know why he brought back Hal Jordan? No. Because ever since Hal Jordan died, up to rebirth, so how long is that? About twenty years. Twenty years. For roughly. twenty years, DC Comics had a big Well, there was um mobs. Angry mobs, let's call them that. Let's call them yours truly, angry mobs. Let's call them angry mobs. Mm. Um, complaining to DC for this full 20 years. Gone to groups, complains to them that they wanted Hal Jordan back. Like and Barry Allen, presumably. Him. So um, DC got bored of it and said, right, Jeff, shut him up, please. <laughs> That's it? More or less, yeah. Right, okay, see, here's my problem with that. There should have been an entire generation of comics readers, though, who had no clue who Hal Jordan was. But it was all old people who had grown up with Hal Jordan. See, there's the thing. When I was reading The Flash, and I didn't read it a lot, but when I read The Flash as a kid and it was Barry Allen, I didn't know who Jay Garrett was. Hmm. I didn't care that he was the second Flash. As far as I was concerned, Barry Allen was the Flash. Yeah. And there is a slight problem with the fact that 20 years, there should have been a generation of readers who were like, Who's Al Jordan? So. Kyle Rayner's my Green Lantern. Yeah. And that's the way maybe it should have been. I don't know. I mean, if they didn't want him dead, they shouldn't have killed him in the first place. John Stewart was my Green Lantern. Yeah, well, because of the TV show. The just because of, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. Jim Lee, on the other hand, is a good artist who just seems incapable of meeting a deadline. Mm-hmm. Putting these two on the opening book nearly killed my interest in the whole thing. Do you know there are pools going on as to how long it's going to be before there's a fill-in artist on this book? Really? Yeah. Which is funny, but it's not what DC want for the the flagship (laughs) title of this major relaunch. But with your flagship title, don't put Jeff Jones and Jim Lee on it. If you don't want it to be late, don't Mm. put Jim Lee on it. However, the colourist in this, Alex Sinclair... Mm. I, 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 talk, I talk, he's on DeviantArt and I've talked to him quite a bit. Cool, is he a nice guy? He's alright, yeah. Same with Jamal Eagle. <coughs> Jamal. Mm. Fair enough. 
The issue came out on August 31st, 2011. Does that now make this the most recent book we've ever covered? Yes. Excellent. The cover is one of those poster-type images that means nothing to anyone but established readers by the time you reach the end of the book, because three of these characters don't even appear, and one of them doesn't appear in this form. It's okay for what it is, i.e. a poster, but it's the epitome of cool over practical. Have you seen the other covers? Yes, because the entire month's over as we record this. One's a David Finch one. The one's a pencil David Finch one. Oh, the other Justice League variants. No, that's an is, is a second, um, a second reprinting, which is... I'm probably not going to be able to find it, but... You know the, that image there? The oh, the, the famous promotional image stuff, of all of them. It's yes. that sideways. Right, okay, fair enough. Is that the second print? Mm. Right. The story is titled, originally enough, Justice League Part 1, and is by the aforementioned Jeff Johns and Jim Lee, with inks by Scott Williams. Does anyone else think Jim Lee nowadays? No. Is it always Scott Williams? I, Alex, I like them together. I do. I, I don't have a problem with the art. Boy, it's just... I have a problem with the fact that this is a monthly book. Yeah. Yeah, right. Let's see how well that works out, should we? You know, um... um Sorry, I keep... Go on, yes, you keep treading you know, all over um, me, but never mind. All-Star, Robin, or whatever it is. All-Star, Batman, and Robin. Well, no, the continuation. Yes, that's now not going to happen. Uh, yeah, the, there's pages... I've seen pages of them, which Jim Lee's done. Yeah. He's done, like, three. Frank Quitler, even though he's not the artist, has done the entire issue. Why? Just because. A Frank Kitley's slower than Dark. I know, but he got all of it done and it looks better. Uh, okay, fair enough. Alex Sinclair was the colorist, Patrick Brazil was the letterer, Rex Ogle was the assistant editor, and Eddie Berganza was the editor. He used to edit the Superman book. Synopsis! Batman is pursuing a lizard dinosaur thing whilst being shot at by police helicopters. Green Lantern then shows up and they talk for a long while before Superman <laughs> shows up and hits Green Lantern. Oh, and not yet, Cyborg plays football. No, really. If this is what Johns and Lee have to offer with their huge flagship title, it's a bit of a letdown. Okay, what did you think of it, Michael? Or do I need to ask at this point? <laughs> it was a bit of a letdown. Alright, fair enough. Now, I'll admit, it was a decent read. Okay. All two minutes of it. But it failed miserably at what it's trying to do, bring in new readers. See, it was a decent read for me and you, mm-hmm. but it's not aimed at me and you. No, DC's theory on this is, they've got me and you. Yeah. We're going to buy this or whatever. Although, quite a few people have used this as a screw you DC and jumped off. Mm. But DC, I presume DC are smart enough to accept that that may happen. Yeah. But this is pitched at new and returning or lapsed readers. So, but it's failing at that because... Why do you think it well, failed at that? You don't get a good enough story to make you want to carry on reading them. Mm-hmm. And you don't get introduced to all the characters. In fact, you don't even get introduced to the characters that are in it. If you don't know who Green Lantern is or who Batman is or who Cyborg is, then you're pretty much screwed. I'd agree with the Cyborg thing because there is no indication in this who Victor Stone is no. within the confines of this particular storyline. Hmm. Okay, go on. Um, and the art, the art looks damn good. Apart from the tendency Jim Lee has to draw ears on Batman's cowl. I like it. It's dumb as dirt! But, but... You sound like a motorboat now. Do you? Are you fine with the idea of him having communicator in his cowl? Yes. Well, where's he going to put it then? In his ear. Exactly. Why can't he wear one of those little earbuds that they were in Alias or Torchwood? Why does he need to have ears on his cowl? That, may, that annoys me 
almost as much as people who draw facial features through Spider-Man's mask. It's like, <laughs> I know that's what it would look like in real life. It's not <laughs> real life! The art and the colour in this do make it look a lot like the video game. Yeah, game, there is a, a certain video main mentality. Main competition now. Mm. Um, page 6, panel 4. Um, I quite like the attention to detail with um, the nose of Batman's mask rising as the lizard thing hits him. Well, Alright, so he's dislodged his mask slightly. Yeah. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, Green Lantern in this isn't very subtle. He's not very bright either. He's well, well, he's very bright, but not in the sense that he's actually got any brains. Up. Yeah. So, turn the lights off, the chasing goes, who's chasing us? Who's <laughs> shooting at us? Hey, helicopters, hey! Yes, you know. I like how Hal says he can be in Gotham if he wants to because it's in his space sector. But I have the same problem with both Green Lantern and the new Doctor Who. Mm. It's because they can go everywhere in space, right? Yeah. But and why do they, time, why do they always seem to revolve around Earth? Budgetary reasons? <laughs> Whales. Yes. <laughs> um, I remember hearing about an old Green Lantern story that I quite like the sound of where Hal gets exiled because the Guardians are annoyed with him because he puts more effort into protecting Earth than he does with any other planets in his sector. Well, of course he's going to. That's where he lives. I know, but you've got a duty to look after him. Fair enough. Page 13, panel 2. Is this a nice little nod towards the Old West and the Jonah Hex hack? Possibly, because isn't the Jonah Hex book now set in Gotham? Well, if I show you the Jonah Hex Hmm. that we have... That we've not read yet. All Star Western. Yes, All Star Western. We haven't read this boot yet, but we are just bought Compare it. Compare the first. Oh page yes, on you're it. absolutely right. Yeah, the first page of All Star Western matches panel two of whatever the hell page this is, because comics don't have page numbers anymore. Uh, yeah, yes, excellent, well done. I presume that's newly constructed yeah. in All Star Western, the Gotham Clock Tower. Mm. Save the Clock Tower. Swear to me. <laughs> oh, that's a different film. Go on. Um. Am I the only one who thinks Hal comes off as really annoying and somewhat childish? Uh, he comes off as really annoying and a bit of a dirtball. Mm. And you can see why Batman wants to punch his lights out. The bomb does look like a mother box. It does? It, I answered one of your questions. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and it is revealed that the Justice League's first villain was not Starro, but Darkseid. Right, so they've already met. No, because they don't know what Darkseid is in this story, do they? No. So I presume that the first villain is going to be Darkseid. Yeah. At some point. Also, page 18, panel 3. Was page 18, panel 3. Presumably not the Victor Stone plays football pages. Oh, yes. The first appearance of the mysterious woman. Is that so DC can reboot their entire universe back to what it was if this failed miserably? Or do another big, big Big crisis at some point. Do you know who she is, by the way? No idea. Right. Spoilers! I'll I'll try to do this without ruining it for you because you've not yet read it. Okay. End of Flashpoint. Mm, but I've not read Flashpoint. When they turn in, when they turn it into the reboot time stream, mm. she pops up and says some gobbledygook and disappears. Also, this panel d- looks very Gary. It does Frank, look a bit Gary Franky with uh, that guy's nose and his <laughs> butt teeth. <laughs> Fair enough. Also, what's John's obsession with Cyborg all of a sudden? He's the equivalent of Superman in Flashpoint, and now he's in the Justice League. Is he? Is he a main character in Flashpoint? Superman's not in Flashpoint at all, so instead Cyborg is. Why Superman. is Superman not in Flashpoint? Because it, it's explained in one of all the right, clients, okay. but of course, but God forbid we should explain the any big, actual story. Big, it is sort of, but there was a big meteor shower. Yeah. 
in Metropolis that killed it's a Jeff John is story this, is this the, isn't world. the flashback where we've all been gutted from stem to stem and the Amazons now rule Britain right we're no longer walking sperm banks as Wonder Woman once described us she's cut all our nads off excellent thanks Wonder Woman we, we appreciate that you yeah. Amazon <laughs> but um, there's a big meat shower in Metropolis kills loads and loads of people and in one of the ships is um, Superman but he's a baby so the military being the military take him away put him underground and do experiments on him right okay fair so enough. there's no Superman cyborg takes over right fair enough right um, none of the characters in this seem likeable at all I've never really cared for cyborg see I like cyborg but mm. I like him as part of the Teen Titans yeah um, Hal comes off as a, well, not a bit of a douche, but he is a, a douche, douche yeah. especially compared to uh, Jeff John's Green Lantern run. Batman's, well, Batman, <laughs> and even Superman's really cocky that he doesn't seem likeable. Well, he's only in it for a panel, to be fair. Even in that panel, I've decided I don't like him. Well, you know. So, uh, what can you do then? Uh, overall, this seems to be another example of writing for the trade. Which I thought we were getting away from. Yes. Now, I've seen a re- review somewhere where they essentially say that this single issue wasn't really great at all. In fact, it sucked. But when the graphic novel comes out, it's going to kick ass. Talk about missing the point. Yeah. Um, it's a John's title, so it's probably going to turn into a big intercompany crossover. Which would be a ridiculous move if this, the whole point of this initiative is to bring in new readers. Yeah, but every Jeff John's title has turned into something big. <laughs> mm. uh, Green Lantern and Flash, just to say, too. Uh, and no matter how much concentration Lee says he's going to put on this book, it's still going to be plagued with delays, just like also Batman and Robin and the Morrison Lee Wildcats. Do you think, in all honesty, without being pithy, do you think he'll get six issues of this book out on time? In all honesty... Uh, depends how much work he got done beforehand. Well, given everything I've read about this, this seems like it was a pretty last-minute decision for a major publishing initiative. Mm. I would imagine he would need at least a six-month lead time to get issue one out on time. In the interview, I think Jeff John said it was last October they all sat down and planned the reboot. So when did he start drawing it? (laughs) <laughs> probably just before they all yeah. sat down I'm, I'm genuinely interested in whether or not Jim Lee will get six issues this out on time I'm not dissing him yeah. I'm not being pithy given his track record I'm not holding my breath <laughs> it's probably the safest one. bet uh, page one says that this was five years ago so straight away DC wants to have their cake and eat it this is a flashback not an outright restarting from scratch. So there's still five years' worth of new continuity to catch up on here. The art's pretty, though, to be fair. Page two through six. This Batman isn't particularly stealthy, is he? Not really. Um, How can there be any doubt he exists when he's been shot at by three helicopters over a densely populated area? And how stupid are those police officers? Well, how bad a shot are they? (laughs) Uh, This is especially egregious on page seven where GL lights up half of a city block. (laughs) Page 7, okay, GL crashing a fire truck manifestation into the Batman's assailant is funny, although Green Lantern, as we've already discussed, comes as an extremely cocky jerk in this story. In fact, there's very little difference between him and Guy Gardner Mm. in the first In fact, Guy Gardner, you'll actually cut some slack to. Yeah. Because he is a jerk. And he's a likeable jerk, to be honest. Ooh, Once there, you get past him being a big jerk, he's quite likeable. In referring to women having thigh cheese. Oh. 
possibly not his finest hour. Where it's just like, Hal, Hal, what happened to you, man? Yes. Page nine. Isn't a world where superheroes are feared and distrusted? Well, some of them anyway. The Marvel Universe. Mm. <laughs> and he just turned the Justice League into the X-Men at this point. Page 13. The Batman removing Green Lantern's ring without him knowing about it's it cool. is pretty cool. But I hope this is more to show how cocky and untried Green Lantern is and not a portent of this being the ultra-infallible Batman of the Grant Morrison era. I was hoping for a return of the fallible, human, but still cool Batman of the early 80s. We've already established that that's Mother Box and a mention of Darkseid. Page 16, there's a definite hint here that Batman has been operating longer than Superman, mm. making DC, making sorry, Batman the first DC superhero. Finally, DC liked my idea. Well, following animated series continuity, Batman was around before Superman. Mm. See, I don't know. I think I, I like Superman that, being the first one. Why do you like Batman being the first? I don't know. It just seems cool. Oh, like, okay, fair enough. Like, I mean, Batman, Sometimes things are just cool. Batman works in the shadow and everyone fears him and then this guy shows up and everyone's like, what, what's going on? And Batman's like, hmm, yeah, what is going on? I must research this. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Victor Stone is not yet cyborg and no longer a Probably Teen Titan. Be till the next 12 issues. Well, you know. So how does that fit in with Dick Grayson and Nightwing? Is Dick now the only Robin? Now, I've read Batman and Robin number one since this, so I know that Damien is now Robin. And but was Tim Drake once Robin? Tim's in Teen Titans now. And is Jason Todd a Robin? Jason Todd's Red Hood now. So in five, six years, Batman's gone through four Robins? Maybe three. I'd Does he just buy him off the rack? Maybe. I've not read Red Hood right. and the Outlaws. No, but and I think we'll be avoiding you that. Can, I think if Judd Winnick... No, not Judd Winnick or whoever does it, but if they do it right, you could go with... Jason Todd not being a Robin. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. Um, according to page 21, there's still a LexCore. Mm. There's still an advert for LexCore. Page 22, having Green Lantern have his head handed to him by Superman is extremely satisfying <laughs> after 20 pages of Green Lantern being a tool. So that was that was quite interesting. The last page, a big epic shot of the Man of Steel and... Finally. Mm, for years... I've been a big proponent of getting rid of the trunks, if only to stop that lame gag from people who think mm. they're funny, making that tedious, predictable, boring, does he wear his underpants on the outside joke? It's not funny! It's tired and boring. You know, any reason to finally put that to an end was much appreciated by me. But having seen this and the new movie costume... I'm, I'm going to have to go with be careful what you wish for because I, I don't like this suit. It's all of Lee's new um, rebooted costumes see, seem to... 90s. No, o over overdone and too complex, especially with all those lines on yeah, it. Yeah, it's like Superman. And what's with the collars? Not the collars. I don't mind the collars. I've gotten over the collars. What's with the cuffs? Yeah. so you've got no answer to that have you um, <clears throat> I don't like the shirt cuffs at all I don't like the high collar on Superman it works well on some of the others it works pretty well if you look at the cover Green Lantern suits the collar and I quite like Wonder Woman wearing a choker that's quite good and I like Aquaman's collar it doesn't work too well on Superman I don't know why I just I don't like it and that's because I'm not Gok Wan 
so I can't really offer any particular sartorial. I've got one. That yes. is my toughest challenge yet. Now designing superhero <laughs> costumes. Um, I don't like the cape coming from nowhere like it does here. See, I don't. I prefer the action comics costume. See, I've not read Action Comics yet. I just like the look of him in the t-shirt and jeans. See, the costume's a big no for me. I, I, I like the new movie suit better than this one. I don't like that much. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe it'll grow on me, to be honest with you. Um, so, okay. Was this a success? Well... Perhaps not. Financially, for yes. DC Comics, this seems to have worked. And it is a fun in a summer blockbuster kind of way read and a good summer blockbuster not a Pirates of the Caribbean it moves quickly the art is Jim Lee and all that entails and it's a pleasant read if you're already a comics reader my problem with it is a lot of what you've already said in that there's this is the first chapter of the story it's more of the same there's no concessions in this to new readers there's no sign of the rest of the Justice League in this book other than Batman, Green Lantern and Superman and some of the stuff with Victor Stone but you don't tell us who he is no this feels like the pre-credit sequence on a James Bond film it's fun and big and splashy and enjoyable but now I want the rest of the story but unlike a James Bond film I don't have to sit through the song and then get the rest of the film. I, I get. I have to wait a month and then pay more money for it. This book, as the vanguard of the new 52, should have been a double-sized issue for the regular price of two or three ninety-nine. I don't know why this one was three ninety-nine. To be honest with you, instead of the usual price, and it should have been a complete story of the league's first meeting. And I honestly don't think today's comic book writers are capable of doing that anymore. And we're counting down to what late issue two is going to be. Yeah, I've read an interview with uh, Jeff Johns and IGM. Where he's saying all these things about he's pretty much saying character relationships about how um, Barry and Hal aren't friends anymore and how such such person doesn't like such such person and all these big story arcs and all that. But I'm sadly thinking, yeah, well, how many issues in are we going to get all these? Yeah, well, and I liked Barry and Hal being friends. Same. If you're going to bring Barry Allen and Hal Jordan back, let them be friends. Again. Let them be Barry Allen and Hal Jordan. Yeah. I don't. Otherwise, don't bring them back. The thing with the Justice League issue that Grant Morrison wrote that we just covered, yeah. the new Green Lantern, Kyle Rayner, and Wally West didn't get on. But when the new Red Arrow did. Yeah, the new, it, the but, I like, but I liked Wally's reasons for not getting on with him. Because yeah. Hal and Barry were such good friends, he didn't think this guy measured up. Mm. And I could buy that, and that's the only way to do this. If you're not going to make them friends, make them different characters. Ugh. I didn't hate this, and I have read a few more New 52 since this. Which are much better. Which we will be covering next week, by the by. Um, I'm a bit lukewarm on it, to be honest with you. Especially as the first issue of this major publishing initiative. As might be expected, the ads in this book mostly centre on the New 52. Full page ads throughout for The Flash number one, Batman the Dark Knight number one, Green Lantern number one, Superman number one, Wonder Woman number one, and Aquaman number one. There's a checklist for the new 52 and a double page ad spotlighting all of the covers, which I quite liked. Same. Yeah, yeah I liked that. I, I, liked I used um, that advert of all 52 covers, I used it on my graphics coursework. Did you? We had to do um, logos. Right. Yeah, and I decided to do the DC logo. Yeah, excellent. I'm glad that they encourage you doing things like that at school. Yeah. In addition, there's an ad for Do You Eh? How do you pronounce that? Yeah, you Thank you very much. On the PS3, some Darren Shan novels. 
Don't you? The new Deus Ex, can you back uh, for Christmas? Yeah, I'll think about it. Uh, and a pair of Batman Converse. Which look damn Which cool. do look pretty. I prefer the Joker ones, I think. I, li- I like the look of the adverts, though. To yeah, be the adverts are pretty good. It's pissed they couldn't use real artist artwork mm. instead of fabricated artist artwork. Uh, David Tennant had a pair of Superman Converse when he appeared on the Grey and Norton chat show with Catherine Tate, plugging the Shakespeare play Much Ado About Nothing. Um, it was on that that we saw, that your mum saw, that David Tennant had Day of the Week socks. And she went out and bought me some. Yeah. So I now have Day of the Week socks just because David Tennant has a pearl. She wants you to be I'm not saying your mum's obsession with David Tennant is harmful or anything. But, you know. Elsewhere in this book, there's a pretty cool Justice League sketchbook where we see rejected designs from Jim Lee. Which is better than the actual issue. You think? Yes. Um, I'm still not a huge fan of the Superman cuffs. The fact that they're a red does reduce from the lack of pants Mm. on his rejected design for Superman. With the the cape becoming part of the air. Yeah. That was Supergirl's 80s costume, wasn't it? Yeah, it it was, wasn't it? Mm. I think, yeah. Uh, Aquaman's rejected costume was quite rightly rejected. I like it. Do you? Mainly because it looks like like a fishy thing it looks fishy mm. well I always like seeing pencils as mm. well so I do like seeing the, the penciled the, covers the inked one has power in the ring yes do you not remember that time yeah. when this was pro- put when out when this was put out there he didn't have the ring on mm. and Jim Lee <laughs> was like oh it's the inker I put it on I did. well the inker must have as well mm. so where that ring fell off nobody knows righty ho that's it so this we found it Sinestro found it, yeah, judging by Green Lantern number one. Uh, that's it for this week. Next week, we're back to covering the granddaddy of them all. We'll be looking at Action Comics number one, Superman number one, and a quick rundown of all the DC 52s that we bought and what we thought of them. Following that, Batman Night's Quest, which we've already started reading. Well, I have. Yeah. You've not. I've started doing the notes for that because I couldn't wait. Um, we hope you enjoyed this one because it's been a bit longer than usual. So let us know what you thought. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Comics is a The Devil Will Make Work for Idle Hands to Do production, and all opinions expressed by Michael and Andrew in the show are the opinions of Michael and Andrew and probably not to be taken too seriously. All music and sound clips used in the show are copyright the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. Michael and Andrew make no money for this, much to their chagrin. New episodes drop every Thursday at aplayland.podomatic.com, but you can also listen through our Facebook page, which you can friend us on by using Hey Kids as the first name and Comics as the second name. You can also listen on our website, where you can also view the covers of the comics we've covered this week. That's www.heykidscomics.webspace.virginmedia.com. If you have an opinion on our opinions, you can email us on heykidscomics at virginmedia.com. We also have a forum, www.forumforgeeks, all one word, .com, where you can drop by and say hello if you're allergic to email. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Hey Kids Comics.